Welcome to the CRISPR revolution. This is CRISPR Cuts, a podcast dedicated to the world of genome engineering. Take a break and join us as we guide conversations with an expert CRISPR cast about this cutting edge science. What we have proposed as a business that would enable access to everyone is to very simply have a product where a researcher asks for a desired modification to a cell and we have the expertise in-house to make essentially any modification that any researcher would ever want. That excerpt you just heard was from Reed Kelso. He's a bio wizard and the head of cell engineering research and applications at Synthigo and the first guest on CRISPR Cuts. We caught up with Reed and had a nice conversation about cell engineering, speculation about the future of CRISPR, and where we'll see the biggest impact. We hope you enjoy this episode, and as always, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter with any feedback. Can you please kick things off by telling us a little about yourself, what you've done before starting here, and what your current role is here at Synthigo? I am a longtime technologist in the Bay Area. I've been here for about 20 years. After finishing my doctorate in cell biology, I came out to the Bay to work in Dr. Ron Vale's lab at UCSF. And after that, went to a startup in laboratory automation called Velocity 11 and was there for several years. And after we were acquired by Agilent Technologies, several of the founders of V11 and myself went off to start another biotechnology company. And then after a few years of working there, I got offered a position to start up at Synthco and took that. And now that you're here leading the cell engineering team, what can you just tell us a little about what your role is, what some things you're doing here with your team? Sure. The company was founded, Synthco, with the notion of providing large-scale biological research at low cost. And we started off by making a set of synthesizers that create the RNA that's involved in CRISPR editing. And then we decided about a year and a half ago to transform the company into someone that not only manufactures that RNA, but also manufactures cells that use that RNA to make customized genomes. And so in order to enable that, we are leveraging my background in laboratory automation and high-throughput biology to create an infrastructure that is going to provide customers with access to very rapid and inexpensively engineered custom cell lines. Okay, great. Yeah, and I understand that your your team is growing. You're looking to hire some new scientists. What what kind of scientists are you are you looking for to join your team? Well, the excitement that we have is that we not only support working on the customized cell lines in our group, but we also work on producing new products that will be available for sale for customers. So we have two parallel groups, one of which works on basic cell engineering, and we're starting to branch into primary T-cells and iPS cells. So we're looking for scientists that have qualifications in both those areas of expertise. And we're also simultaneously working on projects to enable those technologies to be used every day in laboratories around the world. So we're looking for people that have had experience in reagent development and delivery. Great. Thank you. Okay, so just hearing the things that you've been doing, I think we would need a separate podcast for this question, but let me still try. How would you describe your typical day? So 
A day in the life of a Synthco employee is never the same. So there's no one good answer for what every day looks like because the way we work here is there are so many different groups that have to interact in order to drive our company forward. Every day is a new and interesting challenge, which makes it very easy to stay motivated because you're always working on something very different. We have at any given time a group of hardware engineers, software engineers, analytical chemists, organic chemists, cell biologists, all striving to stay aligned and moving the company forward. So when you have that many people with that different a background in expertise, you're always getting yourself new challenges and new exciting experiences. Right. And besides the collaborative environment, is there something else that you really like about Synthago? Yeah, we have at this point in time, in my mind, the access to all of the components biochemically, chemically, cell biologically to make advances in CRISPR that not a lot of other organizations actually have all aggregated in one place. There are plenty of people that are good at one part of that process or another, but there are very few places that have put all of those expertises under one umbrella. Maybe can you tell us a little bit specifically about the um, the new engineer cells products that you and your team recently launched? Sure. Up till now, the access to CRISPR has been governed largely by a laboratory's ability to be an expert in several different disciplines in order to make a custom-engineered cell. What we have proposed as a business that would enable access to everyone is to very simply have a product where a researcher asks for a desired modification to a cell, and we have the expertise in-house to make essentially any modification that any researcher would ever want. So we now offer a series of products that can deliver to a researcher a pool of cells where a portion of the cells have been engineered or to take that pool of cells all the way to individual clones and to deliver a customer a viable set of clones with the desired modification. Yeah, and I find the the knockout cell pools particularly interesting. So it's kind of analogous to how people have used RNAi in the past, but no other company that I that I'm aware of is offering CRISPR cell pools as a product. Why is this engineered cell product something new? Well, the thing that we have enabled as a company with the synthetic RNA RNP CRISPR editing process is the achieving of editing efficiencies of greater than 90%. So when we talk about making a cell pool, we're doing that so that we're very upfront with the customer and they know not every cell is edited. But what we have found is that once you achieve editing efficiencies greater than 80 or 90%, the assays that a researcher could then perform with a pool of cells are almost the equivalent as working with clones. And so what this offers researchers is a very low-cost way to screen a population of cells and get a sense of, would it be interesting for them to go ahead and try to make a more expensive clone to work on the problem that they're working on? Yeah, and then I guess it's probably worth mentioning that the process is working so well and just so confident based on the results you've seen that these products actually come with a guarantee. You know, the product simply the customer's not invoiced if the product cannot be made. Yeah, so what we offer 
through our ability to automate this process is the ability to very quickly screen through all of the different transfection and editing conditions in order to assess whether or not it's possible with a particular cell line to achieve the genetic manipulation that a customer wants. Yeah, and kind of touched on this, but tell us a little bit more about this, the platform that you've developed. So starting from this um, RNA synthesis platform to make the, you know, the best quality RNA all the way through the automated cell culture and transfection and how this, and it really enables you to work like much faster than ever before. Well, because we are literally a company that is manufacturing all of the material that gets inputted into a CRISPR reaction, we can monitor the quality of the products from the organic synthesis of the RNA all the way through to the transfection and the sequencing under one roof. And so that ability to have all of the components monitored with software and traceability from the start of making the RNA to delivering the cell, in my mind, allows us to operate unlike any other organization that does CRISPR editing right now. And thinking back to like the early days when you were just getting started, when this, this idea of offering engineered cells as a product, was there any kind of a specific eureka or aha moment that where you knew you were onto something? Well, we had from the very beginning a notion that if we were able to not only be manufacturing the RNA, but being able to monitor how that RNA affects edits in cells, what we thought that the synergistically we would get out of launching this business is not only would we be able to create products for customers, But at the same time, we would be able to use that information from doing the customer edits to feed back and inform the original product and improve upon it. So what made very much sense about launching this business was that as the two businesses grow, they'd be able to support and improve each branch of the company independently. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about how engineered cells, why they are so important to the scientific community in terms of applications, maybe? Sure. It always amazes me how in the past six years, this technique is still not as accessible as we who practice it every day believe it is. And so the notion of being able to have a technique available to scientists for a cost that they can afford is in my mind going to enable the kinds of cell and molecular and developmental biology grow at a pace that it's really never experienced ever before. I like to think of it right now as us being in the same inflection for mammalian cell biology and plant cell biology as PCR enabled for bacterial and yeast. And that in the next several years, as the growth of CRISPR and edited cells increases, the types of biology discoveries that are going to be made are going to grow exponentially. Right. Uh, Do you think it will majorly be in therapeutics or other fields as well? So it's a very good question. The notion of having patients be treated with CRISPR and having diseases cured in the next few years is incredibly important. And there are many patients that are going to hopefully be able to benefit from the introduction of this technology. 
But entirely independent to that is the ability that CRISPR gene editing enables the growth of the agricultural community to provide new ways to feed the planet. And in almost every era, there are improvements in agriculture that are part of allowing the planet to continue to feed itself. And I think now CRISPR will have the same kind of impact to agriculture as the introduction of the automated farm and the introduction of the tractor. And it will really help the planet keep up with the fact that it is going to potentially need drought-resistant plants and pest-resistant plants and increased caloric output and oils. And there, I don't think there is a plant biologist on the planet that is not excited about the prospect of what they can now potentially make using CRISPR. Right. Could you tell us a little bit about what's next for your team? You have these great products now and what should we expect in the future? Well, some of the things that we are now actively exploring are using cell lines as part of the disease model process. So it has been very difficult up to now for companies to take patient lines that have become resistant to cancer drugs, for instance, and discover whether or what sort of compensatory mutations have occurred and what changing their mutations would do for a person's resistance to cancer drugs. So we're very excited about projects where we can look to manipulate a cell's genome to see how it responds to different cancer therapeutics. And it's entirely possible that we'll be able to aid researchers in understanding if a person has become resistant to one chemotherapy, how they might be able to be put on to a different therapy and have a good outcome. How about things like making knock-in editing more efficient and routine? Things like being able to make cell-based therapy like, the, like CAR-T immunotherapy more efficient. Is that something that's on your radar? The answer to that question is very interesting because once you begin with the starting point of being able to efficiently edit the genome at 80, 90 plus percent, you can really start to investigate strategies where that could become useful in a patient therapy. And so a lot of our work is going to be centered around how we can apply that very high efficient editing process to a very large number of cells. And that's what's required in the therapeutic space and we believe we have a very good starting point at being able to edit so efficiently that we may be able to play an important role in that space. Great. Thank you, Reed, for your time. It's been uh, very much a pleasure speaking with you today. Well, thanks very much. This is a great subject to talk about. Thanks for listening to CRISPR Cuts. I invite you to check out the Synthigo blog, The Bench, for more great CRISPR content. Please send us any feedback you have by contacting us on Twitter. And if you want to join in as a guest on our podcast, email us at crispercuts at synthigo.com. CRISPR Cuts is a scientific podcast by Synthigo. Produced by Kevin, Minu, and me, Bobby. Additional production by Resonate Recordings. Our cover art is by Jeff Merrick. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>